and amen. So we're in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible today. And we've been learning about a man named Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. And as we've been learning about a a man named Jacob, last week we kind of left on a bit of a cliffhanger. If you're following along with us, each week we progressively go through the story. So I want to give you guys a recap. It's kind of like when you're watching a TV show and they go, previously on The Flash. And so I'm going to give you kind of a recap of what's been going on here. So previously on Genesis, the book of. So previously on the book of Genesis, what's been happening is we've been following this guy named Jacob, and he has a reputation for being a little bit sneaky sneak, a little bit of a deceiver. And so Jacob got in trouble because he deceived his older brother and he deceived his father and he stole from his older brother everything that his older brother was going to inherit. And he also stole from his older brother the right to lead the family because he tricked him. So when he tricked his older brother and stole everything from his older brother, his older brother got angry. So angry that his older brother's like, I'm going to kill you. And Jacob said, I'm going to run. So Jacob ran away, okay, and ran away from home, ran into the desert and had nothing with him and just ran for his own life, found a rock and fell asleep on a rock for the night. So he literally fell asleep with a nice little pillow uh, and rock. And when he dreamed, as we learned last week, He dreamed and had this encounter with God. And he dreamed of a stairwell from earth to heaven where he saw these angels. And he saw at the top of this stairwell God. And he had this encounter with God where he felt his presence. And God spoke to him and said, Jacob, I have a plan for your life. I'm going to give you many descendants. Many different children will come after you. I'm going to give you a nation and a land. And on top of that, Jacob... Uh, one of your descendants will bless the entire world, and we know that that blessing would be Jesus, who would one day come through one of his descendants. And so, after this encounter with God, Jacob then said, God, you are not just the God of my grandpa. You're not just the God of my father. You are my God. Jacob said, I want to have a personal relationship with you. There was a a oneness that he wanted with God where there was a personal connection because Jacob had known about God, but he said, no, I don't want to just know about God in my head. I want to know God personally. Okay, I had known about God that he was the God of my fathers, but I want him to be my God. And so we talked about that last week, how we don't want just to know about God and know that he's the God of our parents. We want to know God personally and have a personal relationship with God one-on-one where we speak to God and we know God for ourselves. So this week we're going to pick up in the story where Jacob has had this encounter with God. He now has a personal relationship with God and he's now moving forward. He's leaving the desert and continuing on his journey. So Jacob is going to stumble on out of the desert and he happens upon a town. And he's actually going in a direction as he's running away from home. He's going towards some relatives that live in a town far, far away. So everybody say far, far away. So he's going on this journey far, far away, not a galaxy far, far away, but he's going far, far away. And he stumbles into this town where there is a well to get some water. And there are all these shepherds standing around the well. And there's a big rock over the well protecting the water. And so he goes up to the shepherds and he's thirsty and he goes to the guys and he goes, hey, uh, why haven't we rolled the rock away from the well? And as he's talking to them, they're telling him, well, actually, the reason we haven't rolled it away is we're waiting for all the shepherds to come together. And when everybody gets here, we all push the rock away together because it's a really heavy rock and we need everybody together. And then when everybody gets here, we push the rock away. 
And he goes, uh, well, he goes well, while we're waiting, um, you know, is this actually where some of, um, someone I'm looking for, uh, my Uncle Laban, is he here? And they go, yeah, actually, he is here. And actually, somebody you might know uh, is here, too. Uh, here comes somebody who uh, is related to Uncle Laban. Uh, Rachel is coming. So this girl walks up, Rachel. And as she's walking, everybody say, ooh. Okay, so Rachel walks up. And Rachel was a shepherd at the time. So Rachel walks up. And let me tell you something, girls, okay? When a pretty girl walks up, guys change, okay? Everything changes, okay? We have this radar, okay? When single guys are uh, uh, aware, okay? We have this radar. When a pretty girl walks up, we're like, girl, 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 girl. And we don't say girl because it's not cool when you start going, girl, 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 girl. Okay, we notice that pretty early on. It's not cool when we just speak that aloud, okay? So it's just in our head, okay? We just keep that quietly in our head, like there's a girl in this room. She's pretty. There's a pretty girl in the pretty, 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 pretty. Stop sweating. Stop sweating. You, you smell bad. Stop sweating. Okay, so there's a radar that goes up, okay? So he notices this pretty girl shows up, Rachel, okay? Then, after you notice a pretty girl, what you need to do is you need to get the attention of this pretty girl by doing something. I don't know what it is, but for some reason, we think it's cool to do, to show off, okay? And what we think is showing off, ladies, usually doesn't really impress you that much. We're, yeah, some of the girls are like, no, it really isn't. Okay, so we think, like, we're like, hey, sup, how you doing? Like, we think that's impressive, and girls are like, ew, grass. Like, that's not impressive to you, okay? Like, we think, like, you know, it's impressive to, like, drop and do push-ups or something. So Jacob thinks, like, I'm going to show off and show off some of my strength, okay, to get her attention. So Jacob goes over to the well where this big rock is that a bunch of guys are supposed to help move, okay? So he goes over to this big rock. And he goes, oh, hey, aren't a bunch of guys supposed to move this? Well, uh, you know, do you need help watering all these sheep, Rachel? Well, let me help you out with that. And he moves the rock by himself, okay? Moves it by himself, flips it off, and goes, yeah, uh, you need some water for that? Okay. You also need some guns right here. Got you covered. Okay, he literally flexes, okay, moves the rock to impress Rachel, okay? Then he walks up to her and goes, hey, um, so where's your dad? I want to talk to him. Literally, that's his move, okay? That's his move. He shows off for her, impresses her, and then begins talking to her right away. So he goes and speaks to her father, who is Laban. Everybody say Laban. So let's pick up here, verse 14. He's just uh, noticed her, first of all. He showed off for her, which is a, a move that we make for some reason. We think it presses girls, but it really doesn't. Um, and then verse 14, let's pick up what's going on here. Verse 14, it says, After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, You shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. Tell me how much of your wages your wages should be. So pause there for a second. So for about a month... Jacob stayed with Laban. And Laban's like, look, dude, you've been working for me for a month because Jacob had no money. He had nothing to offer. So he's like, look, I'll work for you if you just let me have a place to stay. And he goes, okay. So he's been working for a month. And he's like, look, uh, Jacob, you've been working for about a month. What is it you, know, you want to make for a living? Like, do you want to make any money? And Jacob has an answer. And girls, this is a bit of a romantic answer, okay? So when I read the answer and I point to you, I just need you to go, oh. Okay, you know, you know, you know the all I'm talking about. Like this is the all when the guy goes like, "I love you," with the the, the passion of a thousand burning suns, and you go, "Oh," and all the guys go, "Ew," you know. Okay, that's what I need is right here. So here we go. Okay, ready? Jacob responds and listen to his answer. Okay, uh, now wait, hold on. Verse sixteen. Now Laban had two daughters. The older uh, daughter was named Leah, and the younger was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. 
Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I will work for you for seven years if you will give Rachel, your youngest daughter, to be my wife. Girls, he's like, I don't have any money. And I don't have any riches. And there's no reason you should give your daughter to marry me. But if you would be so willing as to let me marry your daughter, I would work seven years of my life to let me marry your daughter. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. Is he buying a wife here? No. Okay, that's not what's happening. Let me back up here, okay? Check out how it worked back then. What would happen is if a young man would approach somebody and be like, hey, I want to marry your daughter, he would give what's called a dowry to the, to the father to say, listen, I can provide for your daughter, I can provide for a family, and here's a gift to prove that I, I have the means by which to provide for a family. So he wasn't purchasing a wife, he was proving that I am financially stable enough to provide for a family. But Jacob literally had no money. He had no means to provide for a family. But all he did have was the ability to work hard. So he's like, I'm willing to work hard to prove to you that I will work hard to provide for a family. So he's like, I'm just a poor guy. I got nothing but the shirt on my own back. So I will work hard to prove to you my love for your daughter and that I will provide for her. So Laban answers and he goes, agreed in verse 19. Laban replied, I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed like only a few days. He's like, he worked, but it only seemed like a few days because he loved her so much. Now, I just want to back up here and mention that Laban had two daughters here. He had Rachel, and Rachel was beautiful in figure and form. Now, it's interesting, when the Bible says something, the Bible is always right, correct? So imagine if you're Rachel and you get to heaven, and the Bible says that you're beautiful in figure and form. If I'm Rachel, that'd be my favorite Bible verse. It'd be like, hey, you guys remember that one Bible verse, you know, Genesis, like, 29, whatever, that Rachel was beautiful in figure and form? I have it tattooed right here. It's my favorite Bible verse. You know, if there was a Bible verse that said, and Barrett was handsome and strong in all of his ways, I would remember that Bible verse, okay? That would be my favorite Bible verse, because the Bible never lies, and... <laughs> I'm handsome and strong, and it says it in the Bible, so it's not wrong. So I would remember that Bible verse. So here it is saying about Rachel that she's beautiful and she's wonderful, but but notice what it says about the other sister, Leah. It says she has no sparkle in her eyes. Now, first off, I love that the Bible uses the word sparkle. But second off, okay, it says she has no sparkle, meaning that she she had no light in her eyes. She wasn't necessarily a beautiful girl like Rachel was. And it's interesting also that she was a little bit older. Usually what happens is the older sister would get married before the younger sister. And Rachel was beautiful, and yet she had not been married yet, which means perhaps Leah was having trouble finding a husband. She was having trouble finding a suitor or finding a husband. So perhaps there might be something that she was struggling to do in finding a husband. So I want us to come back here. We're going to talk a little bit more about Leah as the story progresses, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. So... Jacob works for seven years. Everybody say seven. Seven. Works for seven long years. Works hard. It sounds like a romance. He works for seven years. He's just a poor man who stumbled out of the desert, fell in love right away when he saw her, rolled a stone away. She wasn't that impressed, but who cares? He's cute, right? And she's romantic. and, And so they fall in love. And on the wedding night... They would do something kind of strange, but this was their custom. The bride would wear a veil over their face, okay? So they're doing the ceremony. They're getting married, okay? And after the marriage ceremony, the next morning, okay, Jacob looks at his wife in the morning light and realizes that it wasn't Rachel that he married, that he actually married 
Leah. Everybody go, bum, bum, bum. Be like, say, what? What was that? What was that? Okay, moving on. All right, that's enough exclamations. Okay. But that's a plot to say, okay, be like, say what? So Jacob worked for seven years, okay? And said, and what happened here? How, how was this a mistake? Well, what happened was Laban tricked Jacob on purpose, not an accident here, tricked Jacob on purpose because he wanted Jacob to work an extra seven years to end up marry Rachel. And he also wanted to make sure that Rachel, or Leah got married off. So Jacob gets angry, and he looks at Leah and he's like, I didn't end up wanting to marry you. I wanted Rachel. So he storms off, and he runs up to Laban, and he goes, I didn't want to marry Leah. I wanted to marry Rachel. You knew that. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry for the honest mistake. And he's like, <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. So he deceived the deceiver, which is ironic, and we'll talk about it a little bit later next week. But moving on, he goes, well, how about this? You work for me another seven years, and I'll let you marry Rachel. And so for another seven years, Jacob works and works and works and then ends up marrying Rachel. And you hear this story and you're like, oh, like what a weird thing. First of all, he has two wives. And that's not what God originally intended for marriage. He intended it for being a husband and a wife, just one. So Jacob messes up in that situation. And, and it seems like he was deceived and messed up. And so it seems like, oh, well, this isn't what God intended. But I, I want us to back up here and realize something. I want us to sympathize here and to feel here with someone who's a victim in this story. Or someone at least who was hurt in this story. I want us to feel with the emotions that must be going through the head of Leah. Everybody say Leah. Leah. I want us to feel in this story with Leah. Now, not Leah from a galaxy far, far away, but Leah in this story. Okay, I want us to feel with Leah. Imagine, if you will, and just sympathize, if you will, being Leah. So you have a younger sister that's prettier than you, that, that gets more attention than you do. On top of that, this cute guy comes in from out of town, and this cute guy comes in from out of town, and he's obsessed with your younger sister, and he doesn't pay you any attention. Then this young, cute guy comes into town, and he works seven years to marry, not you, because he doesn't, isn't interested in you, but to marry your younger sister. And after working seven years... Your father comes to you and goes, hey, I have a plan. Um, We're having trouble finding you a husband, so we're going to marry you off to this guy who really isn't even interested in you, but we just need to find you a husband. And so you stand there at an altar marrying a guy who thinks he's getting your sister, but he's really getting you. And then when he wakes up the next morning, he is disappointed to find you. And I'm wondering, when Leah's at that altar, what is she thinking? And I, I can't help but wonder if she's thinking to herself... Maybe I can make him love me. Maybe, yeah, he'll be angry at first that it's me, but, but maybe after a couple of years, maybe after some time, maybe I can earn his love. Maybe I can change his mind. You ever had somebody at first that didn't like you, and you're like, well, hold on, I, I bet I can change their mind. You know, maybe they just had a bad impression of me at first, but I bet like, you know, if I, I just changed a little bit, maybe I can make them like me. Maybe you're on a sports team, you had a coach who just like, you could just feel like they didn't like you. And like, well, maybe if I go out there and practice a little harder, maybe they'll, they'll like me a little bit more. Or maybe, you know, you had like a choir coach who's like, man, you were just terrible at choir. You're like, well, that's mean. Uh, but maybe if I go out there and I just practice harder, maybe then they'll like me a little bit more. Maybe you just had a friend in your friend group who like every time you're like telling a joke, they're just looking at you like, ugh. 
And they're just looking at you like terrible. And like, I don't think they like me, but I'm going to change their mind. And you're like, you know, I'm just going to earn their love. I'm going to make them like me, okay? And one of these days, they're just going to be my friend. No matter what, if they like it or not, they will be my friend. You know, you just get that in your mind, okay? Well, maybe Leah's thinking in her head, I am going to earn the affections of Jacob. I can change his heart. I can change his mind. I can make him, I can make him care about me. I can make him love me. But imagine the heartbreak she must have felt living in a home where the one person that is supposed to care about her doesn't, where the one person that's supposed to notice her doesn't, where the one person that's supposed to to notice her needs and to care about her unconditionally is disappointed in her and doesn't love her and even says, you're not enough for me. I got to go find another wife because you don't satisfy me. You're not enough for me. Leah was miserable and broken down and she felt like she wasn't enough. And we get a glimpse into what her heart was like in this season of life. We get a glimpse into what her heart was like in in this season of life. Because she's trying so hard to earn the affections of Jacob. But I want you to notice here that that though it seems hopeless, not everyone is oblivious to her. Someone sees her in this season. God sees her where she's at. Read with me verse 31 here. It says this, When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children. Pause there for a second. Just those first few words. When the Lord saw Leah. When the Lord saw Leah. You ever feel like nobody sees you? You ever feel like nobody knows you exist? You walk in a room, you're shuffling, and there's so many people in the room, but you're invisible. Right? You feel like you have the cloak of invisibility on. You're like, I literally, does anyone notice? Hello? I could just yell and no one would even notice, okay? Or they'd notice and just think I'm weird. Like, does no one notice I'm in this middle school, right? It's Simpson Middle School. There's literally thousands of kids in this middle school, and no one knows I walk in here, sit down on this desk, take this test, and leave. I could literally, like, no one would know if I was even absent today. Maybe the teacher. Maybe she, she wouldn't even notice, okay? Like, literally, I, I feel invisible. And then sometimes you feel like no one notices when you're having a bad day. You could go to school, have a miserable day, take a test and it goes poorly. Your friends don't talk to you. Maybe you feel like you don't even have any friends to speak of or to not notice you. You're depressed and you don't even know why. You go home and your parents might be fighting or having a hard day. And you don't feel like anyone cares. And you, you go home and you stain the carpet of your room with tears. And you're like, does anyone care? Does anyone notice or see that I am not happy, that I am, I'm struggling right now? Well, I want you to hear this. God sees you. He is aware of you. And not only does he see you, he cares. Just as it says here, the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. If you feel unloved, know that God sees you. He sees your whole situation. He sees how you feel. And he cares. He cares. But continuing in the story, God sees Leah. And he sends her children. He bears her a 
couple sons. He gives her four sons, it says right here. And when they named children back then, they named their children and their names had a bunch of weight or meaning to their names. Raise your hand if your name has a meaning and you know what it means. Raise your hand. What, is your, what does your name mean? Um, what does your name mean, sir? Little kid? Yeah. What does your name mean? Christ follower. All right. What's your name mean? Or are you just playing with your hair? Never mind. All right. What's your name mean? King? Ooh, yes. <laughs> I'd just go by King if I were you. Yes? <laughs> Rula means deer walking across the road. I like that one. Yes? Jordan, it means what? River? Ooh, I like that. I'll take one more. Yes? Sarah, it means princess. Ooh, yes. I like this king, princess. Uh, my name is Barrett, and it means strong like bear. Which I really like. It's like strong like bear. I remind my wife of that sometimes. Hi, I'm strong like bear. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm Barrett. And she's like, I know who you are. Moving on. All right, moving. But back then, they would name their children, and their names had a lot of weight. Okay? So check out what she named her kids, because it gives a little picture of what Leah was feeling at different times in her life. Okay? So check this out. It says here uh, in verse 32. Okay? So Leah became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son, and she named her firstborn son Reuben. For she said, the Lord noticed my misery, and my husband will love me. Now my husband will love me. Okay? So imagine if your name is Reuben, and you're like, hi, uh, my name means uh, I am miserable, and now my husband will love me. <laughs> that is a really great name meaning, right? But basically, she's saying this, I am miserable. I, I have misery in my life. Because my husband does not love me. But maybe now, okay, maybe now because I'm doing something for my husband, because I'm giving him a husband, because I'm giving to him, maybe now I can earn his affection. I can earn his love by doing something for him. See, if I do something for him, if I give to him, then I can get back love. And see, we think the same thing. Maybe I can get somebody's love or I can get somebody's acceptance if I do something for them or if I am something. We think if I dress a certain way, maybe they'll accept me. If I act a certain way, if I, if I literally listen to music, I, I think it's so funny. We think to ourselves, if I watch certain movies or listen to certain music, when I'm in a conversation with certain people, I can be like, yeah, I know that movie, and I can feel accepted. And so we will watch movies or listen to music so that we feel accepted and we feel loved. We will dress a certain way to fit in so that we feel loved and accepted. You ever think about that? Sometimes we dress a certain way to feel accepted. We act certain ways. We speak different ways to feel accepted and to feel loved rather than even being who we are. We need to ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Continuing on here. So she is trying to earn Jacob's love, saying, Jacob, notice me. Jacob, love me. Jacob, I'm here. I just want you to care about me. Jacob, will you just love me? I'm doing so much for you. I'm trying to get you to love me. If I give you a son, will you love me? I care for you. Will you just care for me? If I do this for you, will you do for me? But it doesn't work. Then she has another son. Listen to what she says next. In verse 33, she becomes pregnant again. She gave birth to another son named Simon. 
And for this one, the Lord heard, she, said, she named this one, the Lord heard that I was unloved and she gave me another son. So she says, well, I'm still unloved even after having one son. So maybe if I have another son, maybe if I keep trying, then Jacob will love me. Maybe if I keep giving and I keep giving, then I will be loved. But it doesn't work. So she has a third son thinking maybe if I keep doing, if I keep giving, I can earn that love. Verse 34 Then she became pregnant a third time. She gave birth to another son, and she named him Levi. For she said, surely this time my husband will feel affection for me since I've given him three sons. She says, maybe this time he'll love me. Maybe he'll start to care for me now. I've given him a third son. I've tried my best. I'm giving him everything I have. It's been years of my life. When will he start to notice me? When will he start to love me? When will I start to matter to him? When will I be enough? How much do I have to give? I can't change how I look or who I am. I can't be Rachel. When can I be enough for him? And she has a fourth son. And there's a change in her heart. And she recognizes a truth that is deeper. A truth that is beyond Jacob. A truth that is above her. And it started in verse 31. Listen to what she names her fourth son. Verse 35. Once again, Leah became pregnant and she gave birth to another son. And she named him Judah. Everybody say Judah. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. Now I'll praise the Lord. Notice she didn't mention Jacob. She didn't mention trying to earn his love anymore. She said, no, for this son, I'm just going to say, God, thank you for giving me this son. I just accept this gift and say thank you for him. I think here Leah realized something. She said, look, I keep trying to earn the love of Jacob. I don't know if I'll ever earn his love. I don't know if I will. But there's a love that I have never had to earn. There's a love that I've never had to try and deserve. There's a love that I've never had to try to be worthy of. There's attention that I've never had to try and get. I've always had the attention of someone. It's the attention and the love of God. Back in verse 31, when I felt like nobody cared about me, God said, I see you, Leah. I see that you're in misery and I care about you. God created me. God loved me. When no one thought I was beautiful, God thought I was beautiful for He made me the way that I am and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let me tell you something, guys, okay? Though you might strive to earn the affections and the love of other people, there is a love you will never have to do a thing to earn and that is the love of God. God's love is not earned. It is given. Let me say that again. God's love is not earned by working, by doing. It is given freely. When you look at a baby, babies don't do anything to get love. Babies don't do anything to deserve love. They are loved because of who they are and what they are. Because They're a child. If you think about it, babies don't earn money. 
Um, babies don't take out the trash. Babies don't do dishes, okay? What do babies do? Babies sleep, babies eat, babies cry, and babies go to the bathroom a lot, okay? That's what babies do, okay? So it's not like baby, parents are like, hey, let's have a baby because it would help our income. We'd get so much money from having a baby. Or parents are like, you know what, let's have a baby because it would really be great for doing chores. No, parents are like, let's have a baby, okay? And they have a baby, and then they realize, okay, this is a lot of work, okay? This is a lot of work. But they love that baby, and they care for that baby because it's their child. Not because the baby earns it by doing and doing all these things and deserving that love. No, the parents say, no, you're my child and I will love you just because. You don't have to earn this love. It's given. God looks at you and he doesn't say, okay, listen, I will care about you if you go to church three times a month. If you go less than three times a month, you're only at church two or one time a month, I'm not going to love you anymore, okay? I'm going to love you a little bit less, okay? It's not like there's a grading scale where God's like, okay, there's 100%, okay? And you, you kind of have to, to feed me love by doing things for me, okay? And I'm going to love you depending on how much you do for me. There was this, this really, really weird, um, uh, really, really weird thing back when I was a kid it was called, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like this um, little console that you had, and it was like a pet, an animatronic computer pet. And what you had to do is every couple hours you had to log on, and you had to feed this pet. And if you didn't feed it, it would begin to get tired and hungry, and it would even die if you didn't feed it and show it love and play with it, okay? It was a weird little app that, that they had. And so if you didn't show up on this app and play with it, the pet would get tired and hungry and sad. But if you showed up and you played with it, it would love you back, and its love meter would fill up. I'm not kidding. It had like a little heart, okay? It would fill up if you loved it, okay? I don't remember what it was called off the top of my head, but it was like a little love meter, okay? And it would fill up if you loved it, okay? God's not like that. God's not like if you show up and you, and you hang out with me at church, and if you read the Bible, and if you don't lie, okay, my love meter fills up. But, okay, if you sin and you lie, my love meter goes down, okay? If you yell at your sister, my love meter goes down, okay? If you steal from the cookie jar, love meter's going down, okay? If you cheat on your Spanish test and write on your arm all of the answers to the question, El Baño, on your arm, okay? And you're writing the answers, love meter is going down. How much I love you is going down. I'm sorry I don't love you as much because you're not doing for me. You're not earning. You're not deserving my love. That's not how God works, Okay, God says, my love meter is filled for you. It is full, and it can't go any higher because I have loved you completely, and there's no more room for my love, and there's no more to give because you have it all. You have it all. There's no more to hand you. God's love is not deserved by your actions because here's the deal, guys, and I hate to break it to you. You couldn't earn God's love if you tried. You couldn't. You're not worthy of it, and I'm not worthy of it. Leah was not deserving of God's love. She had her mistakes. She had her faults. Rachel did. Jacob did. Everybody in the Bible does, and everybody in this room does. But God looks at us seeing our faults and says, I love you because you are my child, not because you're worthy of it. And I offer you this love through my son Jesus. You can accept it through faith and forgiveness, through faith and repentance in me. And I don't want you to, to, to worry if God loves me today or if he doesn't love me today. And I don't want you to, to, 
to care about me or to follow me, worrying that God's going to stop loving you or today he'll love you or today he won't. It's kind of like a middle school relationship where you're worried like, oh, if I don't, if I don't text my boyfriend enough, he's going to break up with me. Or, man, if I don't buy my girlfriend a Valentine's Day gift or a card or get her flowers, she's going to break up with me today. That's not how God works, okay? If you forget to show up to church a couple days, he's not going to break up with you. That's not how God operates, okay? He's not that petty. But hear me when I say this. A relationship does keep going, and it's two-sided. We need to continue to upkeep that relationship, not because of obligation, but because of love. Recognize that God loves you and is unconditional, so return that love because he first loved us. Leah recognized that she had a God who loved her and who blessed her and who saw her. And I will tell you this. Jacob eventually came to see the value of Leah. In the end, Rachel and Leah would be buried in two different places. And when Jacob one day would request who it was that he wanted to be buried with, it was not Rachel that he desired to be buried with. He said, I want to be buried with Leah. By the end of his life, he came to love and to appreciate Leah. It wasn't the one that he thought was just beautiful that he came to love and to appreciate. There was something about the heart of Leah that he was drawn to. There was something about her that he was drawn to. And he said, that is the one that I truly long for and wish to be buried with. But even deeper than the love that Jacob might have had for Leah, I want you to see that there was an unending love, a love that was not earned through actions, a love that was given. It was a love of God recognize that God has a love for each and every one of us. And it is not a love that we can earn or deserve. It is a love that God freely hands to us. Don't miss that. Accept it. And live a life in recognition of that love. And in gratitude to it. And in freedom because of it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us though we are not deserving of it, though we could never earn or deserve your love. We could not deserve for you to die for us, and yet you laid down your life freely for us. You created us, Lord, and we thank you for it. And you see us when we're in hardship, Lord, and we thank you for that. And you're beside us, Lord, when we struggle, and we thank you for that. Might we not in this life strive to deserve your love, might we just return the love that you first showed to us? I pray that there would be a release from any of the students in this room that feel that they need to deserve or earn your love. There'd just be a freedom. They wouldn't be enslaved or put in chains, Lord, or they feel that they need to, to come to church or to, to pray to deserve you, Lord. But that they would do those things, Lord, in freedom and in expression and in gratitude, Lord for the love that you've given to them. We thank you, God. So the name you're from Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, guys, I'm on the box if you've got any questions. And uh, feel free to hang out. I'll let you know when you're free to go.